This is the Transmission Times. When I read or thought about something like a global pandemic in the past, I would have expected total chaos and, you know, kind of a scenario of bring out your dead, bring out your dead of the plague days in Europe in the 16th and 17th century. We remember early on the day that the first freezer trailers were delivered to each hospital. You began to see it. You began to see these ramps being set up outside the hospitals so that they could wheel bodies up into the freezer trailers. One of the most astonishing sights we would ever see is uh, over by Industry City, which was the staging ground for all these trailers. And when we actually got a peek behind the curtain there, which was pretty much a uh, an enclosed fence of a very large area, I'm going to say probably, I don't know, 10 acre site, maybe more. It was wall to wall freezer trailers, wall to wall. And then we got a closer look to get a look at the signs. And it was, you know, one sign was uh, funeral directors to the left, um, medical examiner this way, or uh, hearses this way. You know, we'd always remind each other that uh, this could be us. It could be us. Nothing I've read except possibly some dystopian novels. And even those haven't really prepared me for this. I just didn't expect ever for it to be so kind of invisible. Because my life is so unchanged, even though the world is experiencing something that on this level, globally, so fast, we've never experienced. So I think what I've noticed in myself, the people I've heard of or know or read about who are young people, usually they're all okay now. Some had lighter forms, some had more severe forms but they all kind of pulled through and and they're okay and for me that made me a bit more relaxed about the idea of catching the virus but I think it depends on the experiences you hear about because my mom's friend heard the opposite of people dying and people being hospitalized and it being way worse than she imagined so now she adjusts her perspective according to what she heard. Again, I realize how we're not rational beings, but more (laughs) emotional ones, and we don't think statistically, we generalize a lot, we base a lot of beliefs on what we know, even though that might be an exception or false information, it's the way we function. I don't think I will ever find masks normal. Maybe it's because I'm a painter and I can't separate the vision of all these mask-wearing shoppers and city strollers from the feeling that we are living in a dystopian movie and all of this can't possibly really be for real. So I tend to limit going out in public. 
At home, when I get caught up in painting or writing or working on grant applications, I can make a shift and live in a fictional world where the pandemic doesn't actually exist. The school's creating this culture of fear, and I'm sure I don't think that our school is the only one in that. It's everything is fear. Everything is fear. I personally don't want to live in fear. Because I could. And I would be in a corner, just rocking back and forth like a crazy person. Like, that's where I would be if I let myself live in fear. We cannot live in fear. But the school, it's like, oh my goodness, even if your kid thinks about sneezing, they will be basically expelled from the school and never allowed to return. That's not the protocol, so I'm exaggerating. But that's the sentiment as a parent. You're like, oh my goodness, like, I got to make sure that these kids are extra healthy, extra safe and protected because otherwise, forget it. The alarms are going to start sounding and there's going to be just like flashes of red everywhere and the police is going to come and escort you to the school because you can't get there fast enough to pick up your kid. Even if it's not explicitly said, it's this undertone, this just like low-grade anxiety everywhere you turn, everywhere. The way I perceive it is that the pandemic is chipping away at us, changing each of us in ways we can't possibly notice yet, except in tiny ways. I notice it when I see someone I haven't seen in three or four months. Often he or she simply looks different in some way. I notice it in myself. I'm not as patient. I'm on an edge. And if something negative happens, something that in life before COVID I had the strength to deal with okay, I tumble. I get back up, but the edge is still right there, right next to me. I am worried about the consolidation of money and power. What small businesses can withstand the kind of pounding that they are getting now if whatever they offer is not something pandemic-driven? Will the corporations consolidate their hold on everyone? And will we be forced to engage with money and power in ways that will be harder for us to escape from? So it's my husband's birthday and What he wanted for his birthday this year was to participate in a peace vigil for International Peace Week. Yesterday was International Day of Peace. One of the biggest war industries is one of the largest employers in my area. So we are standing in front of Raytheon early in the morning as people are arriving to work holding signs against war. We made our own signs. My husband's said, the ends disprove the means. And mine says, which comes first, weapons or war? And we're standing out here just letting these people know that, you know, we don't hate them, but this is not good, you know? 
I don't know that we would have done this if it wasn't for this whole COVID thing, you know, like there's so much government overreach right now that we really feel strongly that people need to start speaking up. I'm hoping that there are some set of plans putting this in play that will help to lead us in the right direction, not in the wrong direction. Because from this year, 2020 has been a year that we can see that was totally unprepared, unexpected, and things kind of got out of hand. People lost respect for each other. People lost respect for the police. People lost respect for people in politics and government. People should be able to prepare themselves for the future and not be so called dependent on certain things that we need. We should be able to self-sustain off the land. What I learned about this was that everything comes from overseas. So this is something that in the future, say if another pandemic does happen, we should be prepared. Actually, I think there's going to be another pandemic much sooner than that. <laughs> I think it's going to be much sooner than 100 years. I would tell people to just calm down. Just calm down. Look at the data that was collected during this time, which it's still being collected. We're still learning so much about this virus. You know, every virus is going to have its own distinct set of issues and complications. Just know that it's going to take time to collect data and to, to just calm down and don't force it. You can't rush Mother Nature. I have been thinking about what might unite the people of the United States again. Previous to the pandemic, I would have said something just like this would be it. Something that would happen that would be out of the control of everyone, that required great sacrifice, creativity, adaptation, and consideration, and that involved great suffering and death of our friends and neighbors. But here we are, and we are not united. I truly believe that a deadline would create unity. A deadline keeps everyone focused. It keeps everyone on track. Everyone has the same goal in mind. Everyone can bear through the tough times because they know that it will end. But with coronavirus, it's so subjective right now. It's so endless, right? What's the end date here? Is it a medical victory that we're looking for? A biological victory? Political victory? What's the goal here? And so we can't unite around this adversity because there's no 
victory at the end of this. It's so ambiguous. It's foggy. No one can define for us what success would be. And so every single day, it's just us with the wheels completely falling off. We don't know what success is. We just feel like failures and nobody's on the same page. I wonder if we all were to face our national disgrace, our racial discrimination that goes on unchecked after 400 years. I wonder if we could ever get to the point where we would all agree it was time to fix this vile infection, as Ruth Bader Ginsburg said. I wonder if that would do it. I think it would, but I don't have any hope that we're ready to do that. I'd like to say a huge thank you to John, Christina, Karen, Anna, Amanda, Tony, Sandy, and Diane, whose voices are coming to you from New York, New Hampshire, Maine, Arizona, Illinois, and Romania. Since the beginning of lockdown, the Transmission Times has been collecting audio diaries from people around the world, but there are many stories we haven't heard. If yours is one of them, we'd love to hear from you. Please send us your stories of something that has been awkward during this pandemic. You can do that in one of two ways. You can record on your smartphone using an app like Voice Memos and email it to us at transmissiontimes at gmail.com. Or you can call our phone number 847-354-4163 and leave a voicemail. Thank you. The Transmission Times is created by me, Katie Semro. Your next podcast needs to be about moms, and I feel like it's just going to be alternating screams and sobs. <laughs> I guess that's how we feel right now, and snoring. Oh my goodness.